Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomast. We're in episode 202. Glad you could join us. We got a, a good slew of topics here, so let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Soraya Zell. I am Soraya Zell, and I did my homework. This- you did? We'll talk about that in a minute. All right. Shocker. Yeah, they didn't. Jay didn't. But at least Jay's read the book, so we'll give him a pass on that one. All right, Bait, you're up, man. Hey, what's up, Bait? Uh, everybody? My name is Bait. I am a Florida man, and as everybody alluded to, I did not do my homework, but that's okay. Yeah, one more. Well, maybe two weeks. We'll see what the schedule looks like, but uh, yeah. All right, Jay, you're up, man. Hey, guys. I'm Jason. I'm also one of the uh, co-hosts here on Biomast, and uh, I, I have done my homework. I just, I just pre-did my homework several years ago, uh, <laughs> and I've actually, uh, I've actually brushed up on a little bit of Ready, Ready Player One uh, here and there and some other stuff. Uh, so generally this week I've been play- knocking around playing quite a few uh, quite a few old older school games. Spent a lot of time on Diablo this week, which we alluded to last week. And I've really gotten into uh, a couple more mobile games, you know, Marvel Strike Force, which we talked about. And I've kind of reached out and talked to a couple of the content creators that are pretty big in the YouTube scene uh, on some of the mobile games. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show uh, about some. You know, things we're working on in the uh, in the future for uh, biomass. But other than that, pretty uh, pretty good week. Really low key. The the weather's been kind of crazy in the uh, in North Georgia where I'm at right now. Uh, it's you know pretty warm. You know, like high 80s with very high humidity one day, and then the next it's like 40 degrees when I wake up in the morning. So I'm not I'm not really sure what the weather is right now. Uh, I know that I, my wife did point out that you know nobody really refers to global warming anymore they just call it climate change because nobody really knows if it's going to be hot or cold anymore yeah that's true it's been a weird year for for us too i mean it's finally just started to get up into the 90s but it's it's late over in arizona usually it's it's coming about a month earlier so it's been strange the weather's See, all over the place it's been freezing here it's been very cold it's because it's Florida. Chicago, and it's always going to suck there. It's it's April, though, and it's freezing. Yeah, it still sucks in Chicago in April, though. That's true. Florida's reporting in. It's been 60 here all day. It's annoying. That's really cold. Is what you... I, yeah, dude, it's weird, hey, man. Hey, man, I got to tell you, like, it may be annoying, but that's that's actually pretty good weather, generally. I mean, yeah, but I went out today with shorts and a t-shirt on, and I had to go back in and, like, fucking put on pants, man. I was slightly annoyed. <laughs> Well, when you get used to, you know, what's your high there usually? Like close to 100, a little over 100? Um, during the probably, yeah, during the summer, I would say it's probably about 95 for That's a high. Not too bad if you ignore no. the humidity. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for us, I'm with you where it's, if it gets down to 60, we're like, oh, shit, go put our coats on. But, you know, <laughs> our summers are 120 here, so we're all kind of higher up on that uh, level of comfort on the, on the spectrum there. But Jay's right, though. 60 is like nice in most places it's just for for the people in the tropics and the desert it, it sucks but anyways so uh i am pokey draven i obviously help the show here and uh help host the show and i do the dungeon crawl series with livy on youtube and uh we'll talk about our shenanigans in iceland this coming week uh, near the end of the show but with that being said let's get started talking about the homework zell you went and saw ready player one this week so spoiler free but what did you what you think I thought it was pretty good. Um, I would say probably the the thing that really struck me is uh, Back to the Future it showed up way more than I expected in the uh, in the audio track. It was kind of one of the the notable things to me is that uh, there were kind of some audio hints that they used throughout the entire movie um, that were taken straight from uh, Back to the Future, and I kind of enjoyed that. 
Um, but uh, I, I'd agree with a lot of what you said that I, I think a lot of the references were kind of subtle. They were in the background, um, but uh, y- you know they were there, and it was a lot of fun. And that the movie itself was pretty good. Yeah, I think it was uh, it was pretty solid. And, and I didn't actually notice the Back to the Future soundtrack so much because there was so much going on, on the screen at once. But that's that's interesting. I'm, I'm kind of curious on what kind of drove some of those decisions. Like my my brother, for example, was sitting next to me and was like, "Hey, there's a lot of." Battleborn references in here, and I'm like, that's because they were cheap, because um, <laughs> you know they weren't they weren't doing so well. So I'm I'm kind of curious if if a lot of the choices and what they did was driven by licensing and what get their hands on that sort of. Thing. Um, you know, some of probably well, there. So have you guys read the book, by the way? Is anybody other? Than I, no, I have not read the book. So Just one of the things that that is uh, noticeably different between the movie and the book, uh, a Star Wars act like an X-wing plays a fairly significant role in the the book as a method of transport for Parsifal uh, in a couple couple areas that obviously were not carried over in the movie. Uh, and I, I think that was one of the the licensing examples that they've had. Uh, there was a couple there was a couple very you know notable I, I say minor relatively, but there were a couple notable examples of some things that that didn't quite make it in into the movie. Uh, that were in that vein. Uh, the X, the X-wing was probably the most significant uh, example that most people online are bringing up that that are trying to do a book movie comparison. But overall, like you know, most of the stuff that I've read and just going back and refreshing myself on the book, I actually had to download it onto my iPad about a week ago just to kind of rekey on the book a little bit. Um, it's it's a the story itself is a relatively faithful. Um, following of the Ernest Klein's novel, but obviously it's, you know, updated, so to speak, based on all of the, all of the things that would have happened since that novel released that are now in the pop culture world. Out of curiosity for people who are familiar and have seen the movie and read the book, what I said about them kind of feeling like some of the things were rushed, is that kind of a general sentiment with how fast things play out in the film or i was just curious because you know i guess i haven't read the book but i, I kind of got um, the feel how, well um there was some i don't know but i do know that that was a couple of the questions about the pacing so how like what is the length of the movie what's the real time length of the movie not like the actual movie time but like what's the how long does the movie take place over so to speak i I don't think they actually really specify. There's some implication that things are not, they're taking more time than it's being shown, but they don't actually say it's been yeah, you, X you get the, weeks. You get the impression that, yeah, it's, but it's not very long. It's it's like a matter of like several days, sort of. So really? Really? In the book, it's a couple of days? Wow, okay. No, it's, well, you, uh, well, several. I, oh. I think, I don't remember if it exactly, I'll have to go, I'll, I can search it up maybe during the podcast, but I don't. I don't think that the th- there's a couple of references that are probably uh, you know mo- almost montage worthy where it's like you know the the characters are working around Oasis you know, for some amount of time to find a thing but you don't really get a sense of how long and you know if there's days passing hours passing or whatever it's not it's not that clear Gotcha. Okay. That, yeah, that's interesting. I'll, I really do need to pick up the book. Maybe I'll grab it digitally for my flight so I have something to do for eight hours straight. But uh, no, I'd be curious to kind of see the differences because from the sounds that people seem to to like the film, they feel it did, like you said, it did proper justice to the book and actually adapted fairly well. So I, I'm curious to see what it actually is, you know, knowing both sides. So Zell, uh, usual thing, one out of ten, what would you rate it at? Oh, 
like an eight. Eight. Okay. That's about where I was at. So it's it's I guess it's it's good. It's very solid. Well above average. Not perfect, but it was it was a good flick and definitely worth your time. Like I said last week, you know, if you like this show, if you like the stuff we talk about, you'll find something, regardless of who you are, that you can relate to and enjoy in, in that film. So it's definitely worth the time to go check it out. Okay, so moving along here, uh, Zell, The Incredibles 2, it's a film I know you're you're very excited for. It looks like someone, and I know nothing about fashion, but someone in the fashion industry um, has decided to kind of do a little interview talking about uh, the fashion designer in the franchise, Edna Moe, in terms of, you know, the role she plays and what they think of her and that sort of thing. So what's going on with that? So uh, this is just kind of a, a funny trailer that I, I saw and kind of cracked up because you could tell they, they kind of spent a little bit of money getting people's attention for this because uh, there's actually one of the uh, Kendall Jenner is one of the Kardashians, right? She's actually in this yes. video talking about uh, Edna from the Incredibles. Um, but uh, there's a couple like editors of fashion magazines and stuff like that just kind of talking about this character as if she was, you know, a part of their industry. And so I thought it was pretty entertaining. Yeah, it's pretty cute. It's uh, about a minute and a half, I think. So it's this wasn't like a it's like an April Fool's thing. No, it's uh, no, it's it's cute. You know, I think this is going to be a, a pretty fun one. And I think she was one of the, the better characters in the original. So it should, be, it should be pretty entertaining to see how they play that one up. OK, so moving along from that. Uh, Overwatch is getting a PvE game mode. What's going on with that? Um, so this is a temporary event thing. Um, it's the same. So last year they did an event called uh, Uprising, and uh, what Uprising was was you uh, they had like a little PVE mode with a bunch of uh, uh, random mobs and then and bosses, and you kind of progress through this with a team of four characters. Um, and then this year they have kind of renamed the event. They're calling it uh, Overwatch Archives, and it's basically just uh, chances to revisit like little points in Overwatch's history. So the Uprising event uh, was Tracer's first mission um, in London. Um, and then uh, this new event uh, relates to a uh, undercover mission that a team, part of the Overwatch team called Blackwatch went on um, that uh, went very wrong. And so it's just another big historical moment in kind of the Overwatch lore history that they're letting people play through. Uh, the Uprising event is back as well. This one's called Retribution. Uh, and they'll both be here from uh, April 10th to, I believe, like the 20th. So it's only 10 days long? Wow. I think so. I, wow, I, need, to okay. I need to check again. Um, it might, it, it feels, it, that sounds short to me. Um, so I might have gotten it wrong, but that's what I thought it was. Okay. Now, does Overwatch normally have a PVE game mode, or is it just strictly PvP? It is a it is a PvP game. Um, oh, it's I. So I was wrong. It's the thirtieth. Uh, so it's twenty days. It's from, okay. from the tenth to the to the thirtieth. Um, but uh, this event and the uh, Halloween event are the two times they have like a PVE game mode you can play. They're they're spaced about six months apart. So. Are they usually pretty good? Because I mean, a lot of a lot of effort goes into making you know AI for for this sort of thing. So like, are they are they good or are they just kind of fun? Like, um, well, uh, let me put it this way: there's like four difficulty levels. I've succeeded at the second one. Um, I, I'm not sure if that's a if that's a vote for you know super intelligent AI or just the fact that they they absolutely yeah, beat you. you down with the number <laughs> of of things that they throw at you. Uh, until you die um but uh 
yeah, I mean, at the higher levels, there it's a it's a pretty good fight. It it takes some serious serious effort. It's curious to see a lot of shooters kind of adopting. They might be strictly you know PvP, but you still see this kind of tendency to go into a little bit of PVE to add into the game. And I mean, I think that's. That kind of comes in the wake of games like you know, Destiny and, and Division, where granted those are probably PVE first and PvP second, but I think that a lot of developers are realizing that you know for shooters in particular, you really want to have a PVE experience, even if it's just temporary, because I think it does kind of help break it up and give you an escape to go try something a little bit different. Because obviously, it's a, the way that it's structured is that PVE is not structured to be like PvP. It's usually a little more one-sided and you're more of a power fantasy, but uh, it's curious to see this popping up more and more. I think uh, we'll see more of this PVE and PP in shooters moving forward. It's interesting. I'm a big fan of it because I like the co-op experience and sometimes you just want to feel successful instead of just getting your teeth kicked in you know, online. So um, it's good. I like to see this and I hope more developers kind of take a, take a look at this sort of thing and, and give that kind of experience at least as an option. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of actually interested in how they uh, how they've been doing this. They they kind of rolled these things out as a way of sort of describing the world of Overwatch a little bit. It there's another you know gives them another game mode and all that kind of good stuff. But they've uh, they've done pretty well with the last few events. You know here and there you get it's a new opportunity for skins and you get uh, a little bit a little bit more like a, like another thin layer that they add to kind of the world of Overwatch that makes it more interesting. So. I'm, you know, they don't miss much. You know, I, I haven't really had an event or a thing in Overwatch since it's been out that I, I really didn't, I, I thought was just not good, you know, so to speak. Uh, some are a little bit better than others, but overall, because they keep their expectations are pretty, pretty singular in that, hey, you're going to get some skins or be maybe a map here and there. You know, the mechanics are the mechanics. You know, it's, you know, it, it, it is kind of is what it is, but you get more of the same characters that you enjoy playing. No, so far their their formula is pretty good. Uh, they have teased a lot about sort of sort of this. They didn't go into you know much of what uh, Zell is talking about, like the specifics. But there's a you know there's an understanding like when Overwatch was shut down that uh, you know it that the roots of that began and I, I assume whatever this event was with Blackwatch, which was kind of the, the covert ops arm of Overwatch, um, and. In fact, the McCree comic, I believe, references this specifically that McCree is actually still an outlaw uh, in the in the current modern world of Overwatch game game world, and he was being uh, either hunted by or uh, he he was about to have a an altercation with uh, the members of you know what what is now called Blackwatch, which is now the sort of the bad guy organization that. Uh, you see some of the uh, uh, villain characters, you know, operating with. Yeah, and I think this kind of leans even more into Blizzard's way of doing world building in a very interesting and non—I won't say non-direct, but in a way that's not just your typical, you know, layout. Here's the story. It's kind of here you get snapshots of things that have happened in the world, and the players kind of get to piece it together themselves, which I think is usually a little more interesting um, rather than just a straight narrative. So, you know, I I love what they do with this. I think it's fantastic. It's a really cool way to really tie the gameplay to, you know, giving tidbits of lore into actually what's going on in this world. You know, I, I just love seeing it. You know, it's, it's good stuff. Okay, so moving along from that, we have <laughs> the ongoing saga of microtransactions and everyone going, oh shit, after Battlefront, or, uh, yeah, Battlefront 2. So, Shadows of War, um, I know 
bait. I think you and I were kind of talking about this one way back when it was first announced. And this is um, the sequel to the Middle Earth Shadows of Mordor. So it's a it's a Lord of the Rings game, not really canon. It doesn't really fit. Um, but this is the follow up sequel to it. And the first game is really quite good. And the second game, you know, came out and it's a single player experience. It's, there's no multiplayer, just playing by yourself. Um, but there were microtransactions and not just like cosmetic DLC. We're talking like loot crates with like experience boosters and all kinds of stuff you'd normally see in like a free to play, you know, competitive multiplayer game, not something you'd normally see in a single player game. It was just kind of weird the way it was done. And of course this was touted as, oh, well, we wanted to give players choice in how they wanted to play. And sure, you know, we, we've heard a million times and this was actually a pretty big controversy, but it wasn't quite to the scale of, you know, what Battlefront 2 was. So as you know, Battlefront 2 recently uh, put microtransactions back in the game, but they rolled away all of the pay to win mechanics and that sort of thing. Well, Shadows of War is now removing all of their microtransactions from their game, um, like months and months later. Like this is well beyond the release of the game. I forget when it comes out. I'll check in a second here. But yeah, they had it. Didn't they have a pretty aggressive microtransaction model for a while in that game? Yeah, and the weird thing is, is that the game was kind of built around this idea that you would basically, you know, capture enemy orcs and kind of build an army, right? And so it was like a large part of it was like, you know, you you would find these guys and you'd fight them and you'd kind of, you know, capture them and train them and, and win them over to your side. And then these microtransactions kind of just went around all of that and just you could like roll loot boxes to get units. Um, so like it, it totally bypassed a major part of the game mechanic. And it was very prevalent, like really prevalent. Like grind for stuff was absurd compared to, you know, you could just throw some cash at it and hopefully get the thing you want. But yeah, it was very aggressive. People did not like it at all. And the game didn't sell very well because of it. Yeah, that was one of the things that uh, I remember that they floated the, the name of uh, Shadows of War a few times when the big EA brouhaha was happening back in December. I, I never really looked into the game. I was always kind of s- somewhat interested in it because uh, I, I heard it was a it was pretty pretty solid game. Uh but the, you know, everybody kept saying, "Yeah, but they've got they've got a lot of these microtransaction things," and I was like, "I just never really looked into it," so I was kind of curious about it. Yeah, and the thing is, is that the the previous game, The Shadows of Mordor, was was really good. Like, it was kind of a cool uh, Assassin's Creed kind of structure, but with mm-hmm. you know some really solid uh, Middle Earth stuff going on. The combat was really satisfying. It was kind of a um, well, I mean, it was like Assassin's Creed, but also kind of had a lot of roots in like the uh, Arkham series, you know. They all attack you in a big circle, and you kind of do cool combos and that sort of thing. It was it was enjoyable. It was fun. Um, and this came and the, out, you know. The story wasn't half bad either in the in the first one. I don't know about the second one. I haven't played the second one. Um, yeah. I don't think I've heard anybody say a bad thing about the story or, or um, as far as that. Yeah, but I mean, this thing came out September 27th last year, so it's been a while, you know, over six months. So <laughs> it's it's kind of this like, well, that's great, guys, you know. You took all this stuff out, but, you know, it shouldn't have been in there in the first place. And it wasn't even like a the bad reaction came and then they did it. It was, you know, they had to wait for another game to really get screwed for it. And they went, oh, OK, you know, we'll roll those back. We can tell you don't like them. You know, I just kind of see it as too little too late in this case, which is kind of unfortunate because, like I said, the, the game franchise has been pretty solid. It's just they had this very aggressive microtransaction model that I just kind of said, eh, screw it, not interested, you know as soon as I saw some of the stuff that was in there. All right, so moving along from that. So how many of you guys here remember uh, the Spyro games back on like PlayStation? Hell yes. 
it's it's like one of the original ones like it was one of you know back when i got like a ps1 um and i think i got my ps1 right when like the the smaller version came out the psx that was when i got into it but you know i had like all the spyro games and that's when i started getting into final fantasy and it was just kind of like that era of games and it was it was great you know they had some really good stuff back then so Spyro is getting a remaster of the original trilogy. So this is going to be on current gen consoles. It's going to be a complete remake. Obviously, I don't think you could really do a, a remaster of, of, of the PS1 game, but um, it's a full remake, basically. All new graphics, new everything. Um, looks pretty solid. What do you guys think of this? Do you see the trailers at all? It, I mean, it does look like they're going for like as faithful as they can. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're definitely well, maintaining kind of a... The, the, same cartoonish look, but definitely leaning into the the better graphics engine. Well, you know, this is, I mean, I've actually been thinking about this. We probably should have like uh, had a segment on this in one of our shows, you know, before this point, but there's been a, a number of remasters. It, it seems like they're, they're more prevalent, like in the last year than I've seen most any other time. Uh, and some of them have actually been built like on the actual base code of the original game and then dressed up around it. Uh, I, I don't know that, Spyro has done that or not, but for just from the from the trailer videos, it it looks really good, and they've they've clearly, you know, th- this is such a big change when you're going from the that original style graphics to current gen stuff you can play on like a PS4 Pro or something. You're getting into is it a remaster or is it simply an homage and a remake? Uh, I I don't know. There's there's probably a fine line between I mean, the two. In this case, I think it's probably a a straight up like a redone graphics because yeah. they actually show a few like cuts where they cut between the original graphics and this and like overlay exactly what's happening. Oh, so wow. okay. it's, yeah. it's pretty one-to-one. The trailer's kind of cool. They, they really show like, yeah, this is the exact same level uh, that you played from before. It's just obviously way better. Looking. Like 500 times better graphics. That, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a cool trailer. And, and like you said, Jay, a lot of times they, they do like a quote unquote remake where it's, it's pretty close, but not, not quite, quite there. You know, um, I don't know so much about, uh, what was it? The crash bandicoot series. I didn't play the original or the remake, but I'm not sure how well that one did, but that was kind of in the same time period as, as this one. Uh, and I'm kind of curious if they took it to the same level of detail that they did with the spiral one where like, like Zell said, it's it's like one to one, like level to level. You can see exactly like the the way, like the place where they've got like you know a signpost is in the exact same spot. And you know they might have been selective in, in those cuts that they took for the trailer, but you know it it looks like they really made an effort to say we really want to give you the exact same thing you had before, just you know today. Well, that's you know that's not always a bad thing. I mean the the remake they did with Metroid was pretty pretty baller too. Yeah, that's uh, a good one. Yeah, so I. Overall, I'm actually kind of interested in this. I was not aware until you in the show notes prior to the show that you'd posted that. I, I, I think I, you know, I think I re- recall seeing that as a tagline in a, in a random web page or something. But uh, I am kind of interested in seeing this. Um, now, I do have a question. Just generally, if you could pick one game to remaster from, you know, you know, something not on a current gen console, obviously, but something kind of going back, what's the one thing you wish they would like do a either a a full remaster like where they just like basically beef up the graphics same game but they just kind of modernize it or b remake it from the ground up uh you know all new you know the the all new hotness you will uh of a game what what would you guys like to see as a property or an ip that you'd like them to bring back like that honestly i played a lot of uh the sonic games 
on uh, on GameCube. I think GameCube was the first. Yeah, yeah, it's probably the first the first like system that that I had. Um, so I played a lot of like Sonic Adventure Two Battle. Oh um, yeah, man, that game is legit. Uh, fucking Shadow the Hedgehog, which everybody likes to hate on, but God, dude, that game is so fun. Um, I would like to maybe see some of those um, uh, remastered, if you will, um, or even just like a new Sonic game in that vein uh, would be really fun. Sonic Heroes was another that's still a load of fun. Yeah, I could see that one being like a, an actually quite a, quite a bit of fun. I actually wouldn't mind seeing some of the uh, older like NES Final Fantasy games remade in full 3D, you know, with all the the new gadgets they have now. Like uh, Final Fantasy VI would be really solid. That was a really solid game. I'd love to see that with you know new systems. I mean, that's it. It holds up. Like it's still a fun game to play, but a lot of the stuff they have in there is dated. I'd love to see them, you know, take with some of the more you know Final Fantasy 15, some of the stuff that you know 14. Um, that would be pretty cool to see too. What about you, Zell? Um, I don't know if I have anything specific that hasn't been recently remade. Really? Okay. <laughs> that they, they've been doing a lot of it lately. What about you, though, Jay? Um, I've, I've actually I've actually thought a little bit about this before. Um, I've there were a couple games that I can remember back on NES, like the original NES, that were were pretty pretty fun that I enjoyed. One was called Mock Rider. It was a a fairly simplistic sort of uh, motorcycle motorcycle game is not not exactly a um again yeah it was more or less like a race game and, and it was you know again fairly simple where you it was sort of like this uh, mad max style world where you you had a motorcycle and you basically just tried to out outrace the uh the evil evil black cars on it and i played it for hours and hours and hours and this is the first time i ever saw a level designer so you could there was the the coolest thing on there was certainly not the graphics right it was, or even the music, it was a, um, a track builder basically. And it had probably a dozen different kind of preset. No, it's like more like two, two dozen, probably preset pieces like Legos, if you will. Now, you couldn't like turn them and manipulate them, but you have like, you know, like North, South, East, West versions of about of several different style of pieces. And you, you could basically construct your own, your own course. And that was the first time I'd ever really seen that. And, and I felt like I had, you know, some level of agency in making my game. You know, you could make it as hard as you wanted or as easy as you wanted, so to speak. Uh, so that would be really cool if you could kind of build something like that. Uh, build a uh, something maybe a little bit more action-y I think would be pretty, pretty cool. Uh, it reminded me a lot of, like, Spy Hunter was a massive leap ahead in terms of what that was as an arcade game. I think they, I believe they tried to remake it once as a, in a, maybe 12, 15 years ago, and I don't think it went anywhere. Uh, but, but something like that, like a callback to those kind of like, at, you know, action, action adventure racing games, you know, Mock Rider be pretty good. Spy Hunter would be really, really good. Uh, I think it'd, it'd be a lot of fun to play. I'd like to do something like Spy Hunter in VR, though. That like I could see shades of um, what's the Valkyrie something like that going on. That'd be pretty baller. Uh, and then the other one actually has been remade before, but I have very very fond memories of it. It's just Bionic Commando, uh, another NES title, which I thought was a lot of fun. And you know I was a big Contra fan, and this added this like incredible mechanic of the Bionic arm that would reach out and like kind of grappling hook you around. Um, but th- those are probably the games that I'd, I would most like to see 
like a full blown redo. Um, I think if you, I think you could probably take some of the basic racing games that they had back in the day and just reskin them. Uh, and I think you could, you'd probably be probably pretty good. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that might be a good topic to, to kind of visit more in depth in terms of, you know, what kind of games would translate well and, and would benefit the most from having like a full remake and, and kind of bringing it back to the forefront. Because there's tons of examples out there. I think that people have a lot of different opinions, you know, nostalgia of what they would love to see again. You know, hell, there's some games from PS3 that I would love to see, you know, on PS4 just with... Oh, yeah. With, with just Because, I mean, there's such a huge gap between like when PS3 launched to where we are on PS4 that if you just took that same thing and translate with all of the performance enhancements, it'd be huge, huge difference. You know, I'd love to see that. So this might be a topic we can revisit at some point and, and kind of take a look in depth and, and not just really old stuff, even more recent things that would actually benefit quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, if you think about it, just look at some of the games that we had on PS3 that didn't make the leap, you know, that, that, that probably could be pretty baller games, you know, that that's, I mean, that's the cool thing about gaming right now is it is in such an, you know, this constant state of evolution and growth. Um, you can always look back and find things that where, where people are pulling from. Uh, one of the things I, I do actually notice about gaming is that we're talking predominantly about remasters and kind of, you know, reskins and relooks right now. But there's still a lot of original content in games. And what I find interesting is that they they are, you know, the game community as a, as a media or entertainment sort of genre they're pretty good about taking a title and an ip and then taking it in a totally different direction and it works now, not always but their track record is pretty good uh, I, I would actually reference you know the you know god of war coming out here this month i think uh, as a radical departure from what a any a, a, a by anybody's measure a very very successful game franchise has been and they are taking a massive departure in terms of game mechanics, style, like you know, storytelling modes, uh, the actual production of the game, they've taken a big step forward, and it's probably going to do pretty well, uh, I would suspect. Uh, where you don't see that really in Hollywood or on TV at all, like that kind of that kind of stuff. Where you're, now they will remake things, and they are often, uh, you know, kind of shadows of what the original. You, you they they lose something, whereas in the game world, I think they're they have more. Uh, they have a higher hit ratio, like a positive hit ratio in terms of, you know, remaking something or reskinning something and it being uh, received well versus, you know, kind of a meh sort of sort of thing. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a major trend recently is it's it's safe to say this thing was popular when it came out. We can probably just dress it up and, you know, it'll be popular again. Whereas God of War is an excellent example because they've actually talked specifically about how much it's deep from what people are used to and the studio is just like eh, just just wait just check it out you know like you know it looks different it is different but let's just see and i it it's nice to see that level of confidence where they're like don't worry it's going to be a good game even if it's not what you're used to um and i wish more companies would do that and you know i love i love me a good remake but god of war is very interesting like you said because deviating so much and they don't seem to really care that it's it's very different from what you're used to Okay, so let's move along here real quick. Uh, Zell, Heroes of the Storm. You still play that at all? I do. That's actually uh, what I play with my friends when they come over. Okay, so it's kind of our game. So, so do you, you are you couch co-op playing that, or you just have different machines hooked up? I that's different machines. I um, I have two, and one of my friends usually brings a laptop. 
Okay, okay, I got you. So I know that you're because you've you've played Diablo, right? Uh, I actually have you not. haven't. That's right. Like, have, you're the weird one that hasn't. Yeah, I, I like I have Diablo three, but I've never played. Okay, well, Jay has played Diablo as we know, uh, so he knows who Deckard Cain is, and he could probably. Oh yeah. He could probably <laughs> kind of laugh along with it. It was. It's funnier if you've played Diablo 2, but if you played Diablo 3, you know who he is. So Decker Kane is being added to uh, Heroes of the Storm as the next playable character. So um, if you don't know the character, he has this kind of tagline where he goes, stay a while and listen. And then he basically vomits out more lore than you want to hear about the world of Diablo. And, you know, you kind of are forced to sit and listen to him talk about it. Um so he's being added as a character and he's got various different moves that are, you know, crowd control and this sort of thing. And, and I won't get into the specific references, but his ultimate is called stay a while and listen. And it does like a conal attack in front of him and puts anything in that cone to sleep. And then he bombards oh them my with, God, that is with legit. books and stuff. So, um, yeah. So basically he literally puts people to sleep with Diablo lore and then beats them to death with books about Diablo lore. So that, that yeah. is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're a long-running fan of the series and you definitely you definitely know who Deckard Kane is, uh, you can play him in, in Heroes of the Storm. So I think he's coming to the test server real quick here. Um, but yeah, they have uh, they add new heroes about every six weeks, so it's a pretty fast rotation for for them. Yeah. You know, um, interestingly enough about this, uh, I I was aware I was made aware of this about a week ago. I heard an interview, like a pre, like a pre GDC interview with the uh, the Blizzard, like sound the voiceover team from Blizzard, uh, not not the, the the voice talent, but you know the people that actually like direct it and write it and you know actually like put the voiceovers together. And they talked very specifically about Heroes of the Storm because they were they were like it, they get to work with pretty much all of the talent that Blizzard brings in for all of their disparate games and do all these voiceovers. They do it all for every every game. They said they, they have the most a lot of fun with Heroes of the Storm because that's the one place where no matter how quote unquote serious a game is, you can you know, the Blizzard will you know quite intentionally and somewhat somewhat go out of its way to poke fun at itself or to poke fun at its own characters that way. Uh, is Heroes of the Storm. And they, they there was some discussion about this. They they mentioned Deckard Kane here, but they didn't go into that level of detail, Pokey, which I I find absolutely hilarious. By the it's, way, it's amazing. You know, it's it's fantastic. And and here's the storm actually doesn't even really try to take itself seriously. Like if you've played the the like the, the game and you play the um, we're here in a vortex because reasons. Yeah, it's Let's like it's, it's like oh, uh, why are we all being put together? It's like ah, don't worry about that. It's the last time they ever mention it the entire time. It's like there's zero effort into explaining why this is happening so they're like we don't give a shit like it's it's whatever so you know they they, they have a lot of fun with it and I'm, I'm always impressed by how fast they they churn this stuff out like zell said they they have like heroes coming out constantly i'm not even sure what the roster's at right now how many characters are there zell ah, roughly i mean i'm sure you don't have it off the top of your head 40 to 50 in that realm jesus wow. that's a that's a lot but i mean that's that's not uncommon for this type of game like like how many does League of Legends have? Yeah, you know? they've been doing it longer. I, I, I don't know. That's but it's it's still impressive to me that they can create characters that feel distinctively different, but have that many and put them out that quickly. It kind of shows that they actually have quite a bit of force behind this. Now I gotta I gotta ask a question: Is 
so here's the storm are is this like the original version or is there like a 2.0 that's that's already out it's it's uh well they call this version 2.0 when they okay. had changed out a variety of features but it is it, like it wasn't a replacement of progression or anything like that okay all right so it was it was sort of the uh like the 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 like the soft the soft update kind of the the taken king style like the yeah yeah okay. yeah they had a big update they called 2.0 um okay. that was kind of when they implemented the loot box system and stuff like that which here's the storm i actually really i their loot box system is probably the nicest of any game i've played you get them regularly enough for free that you really don't feel a need to buy them they're cosmetic only uh one of the cool things is they actually let you re-roll them if you don't like what you get in them oh no kidding i didn't know that yeah, yeah, there's there's some there's actually I really wish Overwatch would pick up what Heroes has done with it because it's much more satisfying. Hmm. That's actually pretty cool because I, like I would generally point out Overwatch is the way to do uh, you, if you're going to go with a loot box type type mechanic. That's that's about as good as it gets because you, like you said, you can get them frequently enough that you don't feel uh, necessarily pressured, but you can certainly like, hey, wow, I would really like to get a you know that cool new like soldier 76 skin or whatever for, you know, and you, you know, drop like 10 bucks on it or whatever. That That's not bad. And I think correct me if I'm wrong though. And here's the storm. You could just, you can, you can straight up just purchase like skins, like the direct skin you want. Um, you don't. So they used to, and then they, because of the loot box system, they've stripped a lot of it out. Oh, okay. Um, but like usually new skins, you can. Okay. That's actually not bad. So, so new items that come out tend to be able to be bought outright in bundles and stuff like that. And then, uh, if you're just looking to, you know, backfill your collection, you have to, you know, you'll have to loot box it. Okay. So I, I'm just doing a quick, quick scan of the, uh, kind of the blizzard of the games or the heroes they've got, and they have a lot more Overwatch characters than I remember in here now. It is, it's been a while since. It's I actually, checked. yeah, wow. it actually got really bad for a while, uh, because all the Overwatch characters are super high mobility characters comparatively. Uh. And so, you know, you'll be dealing with Genji is as irritatingly frustrating in in Heroes as he is in Overwatch. <laughs> he's in, you died, and he's Okay, I can I can kinda see that. I'm I'm kinda down with that. Although this is actually this is actually pretty cool. They they do a really, really good job of uh of how they put these things together. So I don't know. Like I said, Blizzard don't miss much. No, they do not. And so it looks like just my rough count on the wiki here. There's actually 80 heroes for Good Heroes God. of the Storm, and there's 140 in League of Legends. So I mean, they're both way up there. But that's that's crazy. Well, remember, you know, and they keep these things pretty pretty well balanced, don't they? I mean, they're they're. I remember the like you kind of got me into playing it for a little while, and I you know I, I stopped playing not because I didn't like it. It's, it's actually probably the most fun MOBA s game I've played. But it was just like it, it seemed generally they keep it really well balanced for that number of characters out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty decent. I play one of the earlier characters added and I I've, I've certainly had complaints at times, but overall it's, it's pretty good stuff. No, I think it's, they, like you said, Jay, they don't miss very often and did a good job with that. And it is a very good game. I enjoyed that more than, than league. Um, just, there's too much stuff to play, so I couldn't keep up with it, but uh, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's, it's good stuff. They, they've done a good job with it. So I, I like hearing your updates from it because it's, it's a good game. Okay. So moving along here uh, real quick. So I've of course talked about final fantasy 15, um, ad nauseum so i won't get too deep into it but i did mention a while ago that because there was so much demand for more dlc 
that the <laughs> the games director was like, I really don't want to keep working on this. I want to go to a different project. But there's so much demand for DLC that higher ups are like, yeah, you got to keep working on Final Fantasy 15. So they went, okay. So they finally detailed the stuff that's coming out in the next coming years for what they're planning on DLC. So uh, there's four new episodes and an additional uh, major update to the Comrades multiplayer. So uh, big things are, so Comrades is the multiplayer aspect of the game. It's kind of, it takes place during a time gap um, in the main story, and it allows you to kind of play as a character from the King's Glaive, which is kind of like the elite guard of the royal family. And you go on missions, and it's kind of this mission-based thing, and it's up to four people per mission, and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty fun. Uh, the combat in Final Fantasy is a little one-dimensional for 15, but uh, overall it's it's a fun experience and if you can't find people there are bots to go and do it and the story's decent you know it, it's it's a pretty good experience uh currently if you want to play comrades you have to own the main game and then it's a dlc that is uh purchased separately or if you buy the new royal edition on pc it just is included uh they are going to start offering the comrades multiplayer dlc as a standalone game so if you just want to play the multiplayer if you don't give a crap about the single player stuff you can pick this up and play with people um coming in September this year. So that's coming up pretty quick here. Uh, no details on pricing yet, but that will be an option soon. But the new episodes are actually coming not this year, but next year. So um, in winter of 2019, there's episode Arden. Arden is kind of the main antagonist of the game. Um, should be really interesting because his character was fantastic. They just didn't get into his backstory much. So this should kind of delve a little bit to that. Pretty excited for that. Uh, there's like a side episode attached to that called Episode Aranea coming out in winter 2019 that is follows one of the characters you meet throughout the game. She's a, a lance using Dragoon. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, and she appeared in another DLC as well. So she's a fun character. They just didn't really touch on her as much as I would have liked. So this is kind of good that they're going back to revisit her a bit. Uh, episode Luna, which is coming in spring 2019. Really looking forward to this one because she did not have enough presence in the game for what they kind of played her up to be. So I kind of want to get more into that. And then the really weird one coming in spring of 2019 is episode Noctis, which apparently is like an alternate ending to the game, which is kind of strange. Kind of curious to see where they go with that one, but uh, you know, it should be good. So, you know, I'll definitely pick these up. Final Fantasy 15 is a interesting but enjoyable game but you know it'll be good to kind of check these out so they're a ways off but you know thought i should bring it up now since they were kind of detailing some of the stuff that's going to be coming out for it again nothing on pricing but uh, at least you know when you can expect it so it should be pretty so you know one i know i've i've said this several times but at some point you need to do like a standalone <laughs> everything how do, you, how do you describe like imagine you were doing like a gaming intervention like you were going to sit me down and try to describe to me let me tell you about this thing called Final Fantasy. There's nothing final about it, but it is a fantasy. Now let's talk. <laughs> and we're going to talk at least 15, maybe 18 times, because I'm not really sure yeah. how, because I know yeah. we're up to Final Fantasy 15, but there's been some kind of do-overs in there that don't really count, but there's like two of them, you know, like, oh my God. <laughs> so I, I uh, th that would actually be a, a, a pretty, a pretty cool, uh, a pretty cool side episode we could do one yeah. day. Like we get like you, me and Livy together and you guys can like literally like, let me let me explain to you like hey we're we're from the uh church of jesus christ of the latter day final final <laughs> fantasy 15s don't mind our like white you know white button downs and our black shorts and our bicycles outside but let's sit down and talk about this <laughs> yeah so so just a fun fact so there's currently 15 numbered games and like you said there's a couple do-overs that have happened in then so 
this is a little bit of an older article, so the number's a little bit different now. But the total number of games, including the numbered ones and all the side spin-offs and the remakes and everything, there are 80 Final Fantasy titles. Dear God. Between the... mobile oh God. and console and everything. A lot of them are kind of like stupid little mini side games. Like, they just have the name, but there's not much to them. But, yeah, there's 80 different games. There's probably a couple more since then, because I know there's a few mobile titles that have come out. But, yeah, that will be a conversation we'll have to have not that, during that the podcast. Bananas. Yeah, and I, to be fair, I've played maybe, maybe a dozen and a half of them. You know, probably less than 20 of them. They're, just, they're all over the place. But, you know, there's an exorbitant amount of content related to that guys. See, okay. people want to know when it's time to stop making a game. No. It's time to stop making <laughs> Final Fantasy. Well, the thing is, is that they're so distinctively different from one another that they've I... got the name and they've got some shared stuff. Like you'll see certain kind of monsters pop up in multiple games, but they're not related usually at all. So it's like kind of not the same franchise, you know? Yeah. So somebody ta- so somebody they attempted to they attempted to walk up with like some tracks for you know and, and you know talk to me about like saving my gaming soul with some Final Fantasy 15 one day <laughs> and um and and they did describe it that way because I I was like look I have very little very little understanding of Final Fantasy but is it is it a science fiction thing is it a fantasy thing what is it uh, and they were like yes uh, but it depends yeah. on which one mm-hmm, and, yeah. and he kind of described it as uh, there are at least some of the games in the you know in the uh you know saga of of actual significant sort of you know pillared you know final fantasy games that are literally only final fantasy in their title there might be like yeah. a hint some hints of text here and there but it's really somebody made a game that somebody thought was okay but they didn't think they could sell it so they slapped final fin- they put final fantasy somewhere in the title and it you know, in order to get the game published is what he, that's what he surmised. Uh, yeah. I have no idea if that's true, but it uh, sure hell sounds plausible. Yeah. There, some of the mobile titles out there are just, they appeal to some people. I see some people really like and enjoy them, but I, they're usually free to play and come with a lot of really heavy handed caveats that I don't care for. And they are, you know, final fantasy and they've got things that are in final fantasy games, but their gameplay is just not, what i would expect but it is technically a final fantasy game i won't go into all the details and the different types of games that you can play with this franchise but just know that yeah there's 80 of them but most of them are not directly connected in any way whatsoever there's a couple ones with sequels but like 14 is not the prequel to 15 and certainly you know 13 is not a prequel to 14 they're they're not connected so don't think that it's this long-running series of 80 games in a row you know it's, it's nothing like that but yeah we'll do a side episode sometime and i'll sit and ramble and try to bring some you know semblance of understanding for what this whole thing is and then you know if i get really ambitious i can explain the story of kingdom hearts which will take at least four to five hours because oh that's lord a total, that's a mess uh, <laughs> but there's there's a lot of stuff to talk about so hey, hey i got a question like are we going to see uh full monty like Marvel characters and more Star Wars care and actual Star Wars characters in, in uh, Kingdom Hearts at some point here in the uh, near future now. So I Disney owns all that shit. Now. Yeah, I think they do, but I think they're going to try to just keep that separate. It, it wouldn't mesh well. And sometimes they do little weird things like they had Pirates of the Caribbean one time was in a Kingdom Hearts game. Tell me, tell me you don't oh, want to yeah. see a key sword lightsaber. I, I would love to see that. Um, the, actually, there's one from the Tron world that kind of looks like a lightsaber. But, you know, they, they, they could. You know, I'm, I'm not sure if they'll go that direction, but they definitely could. Um, 
we'll have to see kind of what direction Kingdom Hearts 3 goes. I, I'm hoping to God we see it at E3 because they've pushed it off like years. Well, E3 is about to hit, man. Yeah, it there's, is. There's a lot of stuff that's hanging out there. I'm mm-hmm. looking for that Cyberpunk 2077. Looks. I'm interested to see what they unveil about Anthem because a whole lot of people are like ready to hit the flush button on Anthem if, unless yeah. EA shows like really, really good faith going on with that game. Well, let me tell you, I'm not By touching way, I'm that one game of with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, I'm just like, uh, even if it looks really good, I'm still going to wait until it comes out and I'm going to wait until people get to the end game and I'm going to wait and see what they think of that because I'm not going to get sucked into another division situation where you play the demo, the demo's really solid, and then you get to like, you know, 20 hours in when you're really starting to ramp up to do like the, the really grindy stuff, and it's just awful. I'm not falling for that, so I'm going to wait yeah, maybe I, like, like a month or so. I, that's that's what I was out. thinking. Is like Anthem is probably a game, just as a, you know, like basic consumer kind of guy, I, I would... I would wait about a month and let the first yep. first round of um, you know impressions come out because remember like the first round of Destiny two impressions were were pretty solid yeah I mean the and, story you know, for was the good. first two weeks it was it was like yeah it's looking pretty good and then by the end of the first month people were like I think we've kind of done everything there's there's is that it yep this is all we got yep. hey wait and then you start seeing a lot of their underlining core problems like they got past like the really nice facade on the outside. Then they realized very quickly, oh shit, there's some real problems here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and in the way that they're marketing Anthem and the way they're structuring it, and they are very clearly trying to go like, yeah, this is Bioware's you know version of Destiny. I'm like, okay, I am well, officially spooked now. I, I will, I will say this: they they do have a uh, you know like 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 mini games. They they have a decent actual dev presence you know or actual official ea presence in in reddit and they have on occasion they don't do like amas or anything like that but they're but they're a normal uh it, it is not uncommon to see see the anthem team on there and uh, a lot of people have been like you know, there's been a big groundswell of like hey why aren't we hearing anything what the hell's going on over there and everybody's like look it basically is a kind of a groundswell of Look, man, don't destiny us, you know, and you know, don't don't battlefront us either. And they kind of like a couple of the key mouthpieces for uh, for EA kind of responded on Reddit here, like in the last week, I think, if I'm not the last four days actually. And they were like, "Look, we get it, we we get it, we we are absolutely aware of what has gone on in the last six months, uh, you know, the, and 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 we can't, you know, it's like one of those classic, we can't tell tell you anything right now." But we we absolutely understand what you're what you're talking about, and and we intend to address that you know at 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 some point. So I'll be interested to see what they lay out at E3 because I think that's going to go a long way to telling us telling us exactly kind of what that's going to be. Because you know some of the things they were straight up asking them about, like you know, hey, what's your microtransaction structure? Or like what's your what's the gameplay loop structure? Things like that. Fairly basic questions nowadays, and they're like, look, we know you want to know. But we're just not ready to talk to talk to you. But we absolutely, you know, they, they were very, very clear. We absolutely understand why you ask these questions and we know what is going on. I mean, so take that for what it's worth. You know, it's good that they at least acknowledge that those those are some concerns. Um, but, you know, that's a you know, big title. You know, show me. Let me see what's going on. And if now here's the thing, though, if they deliver, if they come in and they like they bite their they bite the bullet a little bit, maybe and scale down, you know, aggressive microtransactions like keep it at cosmetics like no crazy nothing crazy 
and it's got a pretty decent gameplay loop and there's there's some fun there's a good mix of pvp and pve they could swoop in take you know the gazillions of people that ain't playing destiny anymore real quick oh yeah uh, and do well if they're willing if they're willing to kind of take that approach yeah, I mean, they were showing off some just some concept art, and I'm like, yeah, like they're definitely kind oh, of look, aiming, yeah, aiming for that target. Like, you know, you got elemental drops, drop suits, whatever they're called, the, the exo suits with like fire and lightning and ice. And all yeah, kinds javelin of shit. suits or whatever. Yeah, yeah, javelins. That's right. And I'm just like, yeah, this is a game I would play. I'm just extremely spooked by it, and so we'll we'll play it real real close to the chest with this one because I'm not, yeah. Not again. <laughs> I've been burnt enough for me to go, okay, if I fall for it again, it's my fault this time, you know, so. Yeah, we'll have to nah, see. I'll buy that. So, yeah, no, Anthem will be interesting. E3 is going to be really good. That's coming in, shoot, let me see real quick here. Uh, no, I don't I don't think so. I think it, I think it might be slid to the right. Uh, June 12th to the 14th this year. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. so mid-June. So, yeah, we've got uh, a little bit off here, but there's a, there's a lot of stuff at E3 that I'm, I'm very interested in. It's not announced to be there, but it's kind of like, you know, you kind of feel it out. You're like, yeah, it's about time, you know, so it'll be a good one. I'm, I'm pretty excited. Speaking of E3, you want to you wanna regale us of some uh, some of your future travel plans? Sure. So, By the way, you're uh, not going to E3. I'm not going to E3. So everybody, uh, everybody, everybody hold on. Just <laughs> <laughs> everybody slow down. <laughs> yeah, I wish. I, I That will probably be, you know, the, this is not the year to do it because I'm spending a lot of money on various things. But, uh, you know, I, I would love to go to E3 sometime, but uh, not this year. But I am, however, going to EVE FanFest. So Livy and I are going to be going to Iceland. Um, I actually leave in two days as of this recording, so I'll be heading out on Tuesday. Uh, and we are going to go check out EVE FanFest. So, um, you know, that's kind of meant to be kind of our first foray of trying to go to an event to you know, report on things a little more in depth. Uh, and for us, you know, we're, we're there for the whole experience, but specifically I'm going to force stuff regarding Project Nova, which is CCP Games' uh, second attempt here at making a first-person shooter in the New Eden universe. So that's my primary goal while I'm there, but we'll, of course, be covering everything. Um, I'll be sure to sit in on some of the, the EVE stuff and then kind of report on some of the cool stuff they're working on, so that should be cool. Um, so we're going, like I said, we're going on Tuesday. I'm going to be gone from, I'll be leaving on the 10th, and I'm coming back on, I think, the 16th. Uh, so I'll be gone for a full week there. Um, we're spending a few days out there because, you know, if you're going to go to Iceland, don't just go there for space pixels. Actually go and, like, check it out. So we'll be there a little bit longer, but, you know, you can kind of expect uh, daily updates. I'll be on Twitter. Uh, I'm at PokeDraven. I'll probably be mirroring stuff on at Biomass blog as well. So you can try to track either of those. You can get some up-to-date stuff. Um, also, we have a YouTube channel that we use for our dungeon crawl, uh, youtube.com slash podcast. Uh, that has all of our dungeon crawl stuff, but you can expect kind of like a daily vlog update, you know, from my hotel room of just kind of a quick record. Here's what happened, you know, reporting on it. And then when we get back, I'll kind of do like a full edited, you know, clips of everything. And like I said, we're there specifically for Project Nova news um, to kind of get a scoop on what's going on there. So I'm doing the pub crawl. I'm doing party at the top of the world. Get some, you know, Rattati as drunk as possible and try to squeeze some information out of them. So... We got you covered. We'll be there. Should be pretty good stuff. So uh, stay tuned this coming week, and uh, we'll have lots of stuff coming out for you pretty much on a day-to-day basis. So uh, <laughs> one thing I did kind of want to bring up that was kind of interesting uh, real quick here before we go too long on time. So PUBG has decided to start getting a little sue-happy, um, and they have interestingly sued a company called NetEase, uh, specifically for two games they released in, I think they're Chinese companies, but they released worldwide called Rules of Survival and Knives Out. 
their battle royale games, you know, plain and simple. I think Knives Out is like a melee only. Uh, Rules of Survival is just kind of a straight battle royale thing. But the the way that they describe the lawsuit is kind of interesting. It says, PUBG Corp argues that the overall look, feel, and audiovisual style of both games closely mimics the stylized realism of Battlegrounds. The what? What the hell is stylized realism? Like, like what? I, I, I don't know what they're trying to say there. I'm like, it's... If, if it's they realism. want to know what stylized realism is, they should come see me on a, like a Thursday when I'm rolling through San Francisco. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. And the thing is, like, PUBG is based off of a mod, right? Like, it came from a different game yes. that has the exact same <laughs> art style. And, in, in, in like, yeah, you look at the game and it's like, well, yeah, they look similar. They both look like a realistic style. Like, you know, you can't put a trademark on it looks like real life, you know? Um, and this is specifically the mobile version of the game. This isn't even like a PC game. This is a Chinese-made mobile version of, you know, a Battle Royale game. And like last week, I was like, eh, they probably don't care about that much. Apparently, they care about enough to sue someone over stylized realism. So it's it's bizarre. Um, you can see some side-by-side comparisons, and it's like, eh, I guess, yeah, like, you know, they're like, oh, well, they, they copy the the guns we have. I'm like, the guns you have are based off of real guns. You, you can't copyright that. That's that's the property of technically the gun manufacturer. So I, I don't know what the shit PUBG is doing. I feel like that they didn't have the the legal, you know, flex to kind of, you know, go after Epic. So they're just like picking on everyone else they can. It's kind of turned to yeah, a meme I now where that. they're just like, you know. Oh, I, it, wouldn't, it, I wouldn't be surprised if they literally can't sue it. It could be part of the, the Unreal Engine. Unreal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can I'm, see that. Yeah, I'm yeah. willing to bet there's an arbitration-only agreement in there, and and that they know that they're not going to win a lawsuit against Epic. And Epic can yeah, probably pull the the license from anyone who sues them too. So, like, you know, own this. <laughs> literally, you know, you know, it would be absolutely hilarious if if like somebody that owns like you know some other fucking gra- frostbite or whatever, some other graphics engine said hey man we're gonna give you a fucking copy for free bro here have at it do whatever you want to with them. jesus seriously yeah it's just it's interesting because it's like like oh blue hole studios call it is call it epic games for replicating the experience for which battlegrounds is known i'm like you aren't even the first battle royale game to be released like they, they act like they invented the damn idea and it's like the battle royale is based off of a movie that you very blatantly said that you based it off the movie and this game mode has been done before. I mean, shit, with everyone coming out with a Battle Royale game, like everyone's got this damn thing. What, are they going to go after everyone? Because, oh, it, you know, you have guns. There's a, yeah. you know. You could. It's just, you could. They, 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 they could, you know, and I don't know if they're just trying to kind of throw it around to see what will stick, you know, spaghetti at the wall sort of thing, but it's it's weird, you know, so they're, they're being very weird. Uh, one last quick thing I wanted to go over before we close this out unless you guys have any other topics um kind of an update for monster hunter world so currently springtime event is going um it's going right now it runs until april 19th so you got some time uh there's a lot of stuff going on um but some of the things i wanted to kind of point out there's a couple event quests you'll want to do so there's one called every hunter's dream this will unlock the parts needed to craft the ignition greatsword so i want you to imagine like an oversized greatsword like the size of your whole body with jet engines strapped to the back side of the sword. So when you like charge up to do your, your strike, it's like fire shooting out of the back of the thing. It looks awesome. The stats are also really, really, really good. So uh, if you have access, if your hunter ranks high enough to do this, this quest, you should definitely do it. 
I think I had to do it like uh, maybe like two or three times to get all the stuff to upgrade it fully, but really worth your time to pick it up, especially if you'd like to use the greatsword. Uh, also, there's the challenge quest. So this isn't going to appear under your normal event missions. You'll have to go to the gathering hub at level four. Um, and under the challenge quest, there should be one called Down the Dark Muddy Path. This is the Street Fighter event we mentioned a while ago. So oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So before, if you had like save data on your PS4 or whatever um, for Street Fighter V, you had access to this. If you didn't, you didn't have access. It is now available for everyone. So if you go in there, you do the challenge quest. You could do it like I think I think it's gonna be like three or four times to get all the stuff for it. That will allow you to craft uh, the Ryu full body armor. So. It was previously unavailable to pretty much everyone except people who had Street Fighter V on PS4. Uh, but if you have the game on Xbox or on PS4, you now have access to it, regardless if you have Street Fighter V or not. So worth checking out. Um, the armor is okay, but if you're a collector, it's you know it's kind of fun to go grab. Um, also, as kind of a general note, basically all of the events, because you know, every week there's different events, all of the events up until this point are now all available for the duration of the springtime thing. Uh, so if you missed anything in particular, like the Wiggler Helm or, you know, the Kula Yaku head, uh, that is all doable. So just go through the event list. It's like three pages long um, for anything you might have missed. So that's available until the 19th. Uh, there's also a new armor set you can craft specific for this event. Uh, basically, there's special tickets you have to get to craft the pieces of the armor. Um, every day, every day you log in, your daily login reward will give you one ticket. There's also daily bounties. So under the limited bounty tab, um, which is normally like a weekly rotation, it's now a daily rotation. Each of those will also give a ticket. And then I think if you get all three, you get a fourth ticket. So basically you can get up to five of these a day if you log in and do your dailies. Um, and you need 15 tickets total to craft the entire set. So not too hard. You can do it in like three days if you just hammer it out, but you're not going to be rushed if you just kind of plot along throughout the, the duration of the event. So. Um, some of the pieces are actually kind of decent, um, like the legs are kind of useful for a certain set I use, so don't discount it just because it's an event item. Some of the pieces are pretty good. Um, so yeah, take a look at all it has to offer. There's tons of stuff. Um, if you go to the Gathering Hub, there's a meal you can get, which is like all fresh ingredients for free, um, which kind of lets you max out your health for a mission um, without consuming your fresh ingredients, which is nice. Uh, so you know, go and check out all the stuff it has to offer. It looks pretty cool. If you do not have Monster Hunter World, you should have Monster Hunter World because it's an awesome game. And if you go to Amazon right now on PS4, you can get it for $15 off. So it's it's on sale right now. Really, really solid game. Like I've yet to see a game in recent memory that has the same amount of content for what you paid in a very, very long time. So it's extremely good value. It's a really fun game. I do suggest you check it out. Um, and yeah, it's, it's pretty solid. So like I said, that event is running until April 19th. I'm not sure how long the Amazon sale is running, but you know, hop on it if you've been thinking about it. Sounds like a plan. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, anything else before we go to shoutouts, guys? Um, I don't know if, I don't know how relevant this will be to, um, to our audience, but, um, the Pathfinder 2.0, um, play test is currently, uh, underway and has been for a couple of months now. Um, and so there's some really interesting things that are, that are coming out, um, with that, that I'm slightly excited for, but, um, I think I'm going to miss, uh, Pathfinder 1.0, if you will, uh, when 2.0 hits. No, that's your, that's your tabletop. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's your, that's your, uh, your response, if you will, uh, to, to D and D that kind of came from, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, 3.5e. 
Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I've I've heard about it quite a bit. The uh, I, you know, this actually some you know, bait something weird to think about. It. We were to do a maybe a tabletop focused episode on on the uh, infamous digital magic whiteboard of future episodes. Oh, sure. That'd be that'd be kind of cool because yeah, there's be a lot of really neat tabletop games that that ultimately that's probably what you know. Uh, I I was about to go on a limb and say we all probably played tabletop games first and then start playing digital. That is probably not true any longer. Mm-hmm. I know I certainly did, obviously. Um, and then you know maybe Pokey or something like that. But I, but Bryce, you're probably you're probably right about the age where you could probably be playing some fairly comprehensive digital games mm-hmm. as early as you wanted to. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting that you still found your way to tabletop gaming though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, no, that'd be, that could be a great talk. Yeah, and and th- and that's something that I'm I'm totally interested in doing is doing an episode that that's based around uh, you know, around how either you know you older folk um started in in pen and paper RPGs and then kind of how you found yourself making that transition to to digital media. Um, and then how I, you know, started, you know, playing these, uh, the, the digital games, if you will, and then moving over to, uh, to, to pen and paper, uh, RPGs. Yeah, is just absolutely, odd. man. Yeah. Good stuff, guys. I think that'd be a, that would be a cool episode. I, I would not be able to contribute at all, but I would love to hear you guys go on about tabletop because it's something I've always kind of had an interest in from a distance, but never had a group to play with. So it'd be kind of cool to hear about it. Well, you know, but the thing is, Boke, like, so for what you guys don't know is like behind the scenes, like, like a lot of like a lot of sort of, I mean, think about we're a bunch of guys talking about video games on a podcast. Um, Pokey is actually a really gifted uh, theory craftist in game, like a, a like a game design uh, conceptual. You know, like from a conceptual standpoint, he does a lot of work in games theory. Pokey would be a and, and I don't SGM maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but he 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 approaches things uh, in a very very logical way, and he actually puts systems together. And he's, we we used to go back and forth on this all the time. And he would uh, he was one of those kind of like uh, tried and true uh, community members that would give feedback to to devs in these games that we like actual games that we would play about mechanics and how things interacted and worked from a system standpoint. Which is ultimately that's really what games the- game theory is. I mean, it's not. You know, game theory has has almost nothing to do about having fun. People that know game theory real real well and then know how to make it fun, those are the ones who can actually make games. <laughs> but Pokey's are very gifted at, at these things, and and uh, I think you would find a lot of the the discussions because if you think about it, in the digital world, like uh, all that stuff's totally transparent to you. Like you 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 see very little of what goes on on the screen. Like you could take a game like a very complex game like Eve Online. Which is effectively played with no space graphical interface. It could be damn near all spreadsheets and and just number generators giving you outcomes in a, in a text like a mush format. If you, I mean, you could in in all all reality. Uh, but that's that's one part of it. And I think Pokey Pokey would uh, I think you would really enjoy like a discussion about like tabletop mechanics and kind of the different systems that are out there. And it's really cool when you look at different, like Pathfinder. Now that you said that came out of 3.5 D and D 3.5, right? Yes. Yeah. So that was, that was about where I would say my heyday of D and D was, was like in 3.5. They're up to five E now. I think, I think it's like maybe in a point edition, but it's, it's mm-hmm. like edition five. Yeah, it's five. Um, and it's, it has gone through some, significant games you know like game mechanic changes over the over the last several decades and there's a lot of other other games out there that have these very elaborate rule systems that uh they're fun to watch how they interact and it's really cool when you think take things that are 
uh, like the classic fantasy sort of format. You know, there, those are like all the D20 based ones and all that kind of good stuff. And then you could take something like Shadowrun or Battletech, which is like modern, futuristic or uber modern. And you try to apply like, well, how do these things work? And you, you need a whole new system, basically. Uh, it's pretty cool. And this would be a great talk. We already, we already schedule this for the next couple of weeks, maybe after Pokey gets back from uh, from Iceland. Yeah, no, I, I'd be excited. It's fascinating to me. I just, what little I know, I'm like, wow, that's that's actually pretty cool. Um, it'd be cool to kind of dive into how these things are designed. And playing them aside, I, I, I love just talking about that sort of thing. So it'd be pretty cool to kind of get your guys' insight and, you know, give me the, tra- the crash course on, you know, how this all works. It'd be pretty badass. And speaking of which, I am actually going to try to do an episode from Iceland. We'll see if the timing works out. So I'm going to try to be here next week, um, depending on what hour of the day that takes place on. But uh, I don't know if I'll be in any state to have an in-depth conversation if it's at like, you know, 3 a.m. So we'll see. Should be about 1 o'clock. That's not too bad. It's usually when I go to bed, but I can I can handle that. But we'll, we'll check it out. So um, next week, we'll I'll try to be here. We'll see how it goes uh cool stuff guys so anything else before we kind of close this thing up here take that as a no all right so let's do shout outs real quick um my shout out's a weird one shout out to a guy named george i can't say why but he's a cool guy so thank you <laughs> that's great oh lord <laughs> all right zell you're up i will give my shout out to a guy named bob no explanation you didn't have a shout out and you just <laughs> stole that <laughs> you just you just you just wrote the coattails of that one okay I, I'm not gonna I, lie. That's my, exactly mine's actually real, for the record. Um, I, I really know a guy named Bob. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Jesus, sure you, come sure on. You <laughs> All right, uh, Bate, you're up. Um, I don't think I have anything. Oh, you know, no, easy. I do, I do, I do. Shout out to Lether. Uh, today's Lether's birthday. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, shout out to Luther. I had a great conversation with, uh, with him last night about fucking math. So he gets, he gets happy birthday. Yes, he does. I'll, I'll, yeah. I will bear in mind how, how I sit on the, the tier of things. It's actually funny that you brought that up, babe, because Luther and I have, have known each other for, for several, several years through, through dust and other stuff. Um, and we just realized today that our birthdays are one day apart. Um, <laughs> I saw that. I Lord. saw that this morning when I woke up. So, yeah, Lether has turned 25 uh, today. I turned 30 tomorrow. We just realized this, um, you know, four years into knowing each other. So I thought that was pretty funny. Oh, shit, y'all are old. And yeah, uh, yeah. a friend of mine that I know IRL, uh, we have the exact same birth date, including the year. Um, so like on my birthday i can message him and be like happy birthday and he'll be like yeah to you too <laughs> it's, like, it's the only days. birthday you actually remember without facebook telling you exactly there you go <laughs> all right jay you're up man oh goodness gracious um okay so <laughs> that's a hard one to follow by the way uh so i would like to give a quick shout out to uh, a couple couple content creators i talked to him talked to about him uh, last week. So, uh, Arnold T101, uh, he's, it's A H N A L D T 101. Uh, that's his at Twitter, uh, and his YouTube really, really good dude. Uh, he, he set up a couple pretty neat, pretty neat videos on how he actually sort of behind the scenes on how you create content. Cause this is one of the interesting things about today's day and age. Anybody can get on a podcast, fuck, look at us. Um, and it doesn't take a whole big stretch to get onto YouTube either if you put a little effort into it. And he's a he's a, actually a really really nice guy. 
and he put together a couple of really cool videos that he's released into the wild about how he makes a lot of his content for some of the mobile games he covers. Uh, so that's, that's a good shout out to a guy who's looking out for other people that are interested in getting into just creating content for the betterment of like, you know, the conversation of the community or, you know, the quote unquote gaming community. Uh, and it, it's always kind of cool when you see people, people like that. Um, so I'm, I'm a big fan of that. So that's, that's like my most significant shout out, I would say. Uh, and it's act and, and I've actually been looking into it, uh, maybe putting together some YouTube stuff, like some relatively professionally well done YouTube stuff. And I may, may be looking into doing that later this summer, trying to put, put a few things together. Uh, I've actually learned how to capture games that I play on my tablet and get them put into a, um, basically a video editor on my Mac and it work. it's actually quite seamless when you're using all Mac pro or all iOS products. So the, um, those are some things I'm looking forward to in terms of my uh, shout out to uh, one of the other content creators. And by the way, this dude's got like, he's got like a gazillion people that follow him. So when I say other content creators and I put us in the same voice, I mean, like it's, it's like, <laughs> because you took a jujitsu class does not mean you can get into the octagon. You know what I'm saying? But it's okay. Pretty good stuff, man. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of really talented guys out there and I'm, I'm excited to kind of see you start to push into that as well. I, it's, <laughs> it's been an experience for what little I've done, um, just kind of putting together videos and that sort of thing. And it's it's been an experience. So we'll have to kind of share notes and, and see what works best. But it's uh, glad you can absolutely. Join us with that. All right, folks. Well, that being said, you know, thanks for tuning in. We uh, you know we always appreciate you coming in, and your 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 comments and your you know requests and that sort of thing. Do stay tuned to specifically our Twitter and our website. Uh, we'll have like I said details coming out of uh, FanFest and we're looking like I said at everything but my personal focus is kind of on Project Nova and just kind of keep an eye out you know I think there's some good stuff on the horizon so we'll, we'll be streaming that to you as, as, as best we can um, we're bringing Libby with her she's well you may not know about Libby she does a lot of things um, but she does professional photography on the side like she's legit um and a lot of people say that but she really is quite good so she's coming with with all of her equipment um so we get lots of good photos videos that sort of thing uh coming you know to you guys so you can kind of get the the in-person experience you know even if you're on the other side of the the big lake there so keep an eye on at biomass blog on twitter or at pokey draven on twitter and also our youtube channel uh youtube.com slash biomass podcast so keep an eye out it should be a good week uh with that said thanks for tuning in and have a good time later